Thank you, Blake. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. Woo! Yeah, that kid's performance was so cute. Those are always my favorite. Uh, okay, well, uh, my name's Janelle, and this morning we're going to continue our study in the book of John chapter 16. So if you have your... Oh, there's no... There it is. Okay. Uh, if you have your Bible or Bible app and want to go ahead and turn to John chapter 16, we're going to be starting with verse 16 today. And while you're doing that, I want to find out if anybody else in here is like me where they want to know the ending to a movie or book before it starts. Is that? Yeah, thank you. Good. <laughs> or is that blasphemy to some people? Uh, I, I love knowing that. And it uh, drives my husband crazy because he watches movies all the time. And when he wants to show me a movie, I'm like, okay, well, before I commit to this, are the couple, is the couple going to get together? You know, does anybody die? Who, who should I not get too attached to here? Because I get really invested in the story. And when they're going through these hardships and these trials and, and its struggles, it's really frustrating when it doesn't have a good ending. But if I know it has a good ending, like, okay, I'll watch anything. Like, we'll get through this because I know they're going to live happily ever after at the end and it's going to be okay. And I do the same thing with books. And what's great with books is that it's more of an individual sport, so I don't have to like get permission from anybody. I just do it. And I turn to the back of the end and, and the end, and I don't care who knows it, or I'll Google it. And, uh, but, it but it helps me because I do get really invested in this story. And every story, pretty much every good story, is going to have heartache, and it's going to have pain, and it's going to have trials and sorrow and frustration. And that's normal. That's a normal thing for the characters to have to overcome. And I mean, a story without that would be really boring. The adventure comes in the challenges. If there was a story about someone who always had a steady job and they saved up to buy a car and they went and they bought the car and they went home, and that's the story, <laughs> that would be very boring. We would not be interested in that story. We would not want to go watch that movie. But that's the thing is we want that adventure. We want that excitement. And for me, I want to know that it's a happy ending. That might not matter to everybody as much as it matters to me. But knowing the end of the story helps me to know if the adventure was worth it because I get kind of invested in the characters. And, you know, I'll sit through anything if I know it's going to be okay in the end. And what we're going to be learning today in the verses that we read is we're going to be discovering the end to our stories. And we're going to learn if knowing the end to our stories can bring comfort in those challenges that we face, in those trials, in those sorrows, in that pain. Will knowing the end help us out? Last week we learned about how Christians will face persecution simply for their love of Jesus, simply for their relationship with Jesus. And then we also were reminded of how important it is for us to show kindness in every circumstance in every situation, and that we can trust the Holy Spirit to guide us in those tough situations. So today we're going to pick up where we're left off. We're going to start with verse 16, and we're going to read it together. So John chapter 16, verse 16. In a little while you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I'm going to the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, 
but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering through the pains of labor. When her child has when her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. So this, this always kind of makes me giggle because I imagine the disciples, while Jesus is talking to them and saying these things, they're like, mm, yes, that makes sense. That's good, Jesus. And then as soon as he walks away, they huddle together. Okay, did anybody catch that? Does anybody have any clue what he was talking about? And I love it because Jesus is like, you know, I can hear you, right? <laughs> you're first of all, not that far from me. But second of all, I'm Jesus. And I know what you're saying. But I get it, and I would be the exact same way. I mean, it seems clear to us now because this happened a long time ago, and we know what Jesus is talking about. But we have to realize at that time, there's like no concept for what Jesus is describing here. First of all, he's kind of speaking in coded messages. And even if they got what he was saying, and he's really clear, which he was at certain times, they still didn't get it. There's no concept that Jesus was going to die and then would be able to come back from the grave three days later. And Jesus tells them in these verses, okay, I'm going to be here and then I'm going to be gone and then I'll be back again. And he tells them, you're going to grieve and mourn. And while you're grieving and mourning, the rest of the world will be happy. And then suddenly that grief will turn into joy. And they're like, okay, got it. Uh, (laughs) But we know looking back what this is. What causes the grief? The death on the cross. What causes the joy? The resurrection something bigger and better than the disciples could have ever dreamed up. I mean, it takes whatever their best case scenario in their mind would be, and it makes it look like child's play compared to what Jesus had in mind. Jesus compares this situation to childbirth, that the pain of labor and that going through that really painful labor, but then having a healthy baby on the other side. He compares the situation to that. You know, I have two kids. I went through childbirth twice. But I had epidurals, so I don't know the pain of childbirth either. But I heard it's really rough. (laughs) For my daughter, Samantha, it was like, watch SpongeBob, take a nap. Here's your baby. I'm like, this is great. Um, (laughs) I know other people in this room are like, I'm so happy it was that easy for you. (laughs) But the thing is, having babies is something that when I'm up here talking about that, when I'm up here talking about having babies, I am... Remember when I struggled with infertility and I struggled with miscarriages and you're struggling in that silent pain. You know, you you often suffer in silence when you're going through those things and it would be such a sting when it would be talked about in a casual way or whether it was on stage or just in conversation. And it wasn't that anybody had done anything wrong. It was just a sharp reminder of a world that I wanted to belong in, but I felt like I was forced to look at it through binoculars. And, you know, that was once a pain that was with me every day. Every day I felt that pain. But it's a pain that melted away once I had my kids. Like, oh, yeah, that that was really hard for me. I don't think about that anymore. And the reason that I don't think about that anymore and it's not with me every day is because that pain was redeemed. Yes, it happened. I can remember it did hurt, but it doesn't hurt anymore. That makes sense? That pain was redeemed. But what if we have suffering and we experience pain that is not redeemed yet? 
What if we're talking about suffering that we experience currently that is not redeemed and we're in the middle of something that is so painful we cannot imagine a way that it could ever get better? In those moments, we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to ask, can we trust that Jesus will redeem our suffering? I I don't know. I can't answer for anybody other than myself. I know that when my life is pretty good, And the worst part of my day is when my favorite ice cream is not on sale. I feel pretty good about trusting that Jesus can redeem our pain. Like, yeah, absolutely he can redeem our pain. But when I'm in the middle of suffering and I'm drowning in grief and I'm doing everything I can to remember how to breathe and how to function like a normal human being, I'm a little unsure. I'm a little skeptical about this whole redeeming stuff. Can I be honest and say that? Can I be that honest up here? Can I be 100% honest and say that in my worst moments of suffering and pain, I seem to always get angry with God's plans. Man, I wish I had more control, more control over my life and the world around me that I can change things to be better so that I wouldn't hurt anymore. No one is immune from the challenge of trusting in Jesus, trusting Jesus and his plan for redemption. And I think it's okay that this won't always look and feel easy. I think it's got to be okay that it won't always look and feel easy. Suffering is hard. If it it wasn't, then it wouldn't be suffering. Often in life, maybe it's just me, but I end up living with this false sense of control. Like if I do steps one, two, and three, if I complete A, B, and C, I'm going to get this. And when that doesn't work out, I end up su- and we end up suffering instead, we find our true lack of control. And our lack of control in this world and the circumstances around us can come into really sharp focus in those times. But that isn't to say we don't have control over anything. We just don't have control over the things we thought and hoped we had control over. In our suffering, we still have control over what we choose to believe. Trusting in Jesus and his plan for redemption is not a feeling, it's a choice. And we will all be forced to make that choice in the good times and in the bad times and in every moment in between. And while I certainly have my doubts sometimes, it's where we land that matters. Can we land on trust even when we don't understand? Can we land on trust even when it's painful? Can we land on trust even when we don't like the ending? And you see, that's where as Christians, we really have to adjust and work to adjust our perception of what the ending is. You know, I was talking about stories and movies before knowing the end. Think about the story Cinderella. Think about the movie Cinderella. If somebody had said, I don't like that movie because it ends really sad. We'd be like, what? And they'd be like, yeah, where her stepsisters tear her dress and the movie ends and she's crying in the courtyard and she never gets to go to the ball. We'd be like... (laughs) Wait, why do you think that's how the movie ends? That's not how the movie ends. 
oh, I'm so sorry you think that's how it ends. No, it, it has a good ending. She gets to go to the ball. The fairy godmother shows up. She gets to live in a place where she's loved. You miss the real ending. And we tend to have a short-term view of our story and what, and we forget what our ending is. It is not that painful moment in the courtyard. It is that ending of redemption. It's an ending where Jesus has promised to make all things right, where grief is turned to joy. We're called to believe in a life that goes beyond what we see here, beyond what we experience here. We're promised a life that is eternal, a paradise that is waiting for us beyond the suffering of this world. We might have suffering that does not get redeemed in this lifetime, but can we trust and believe that it will be in the next? That the suffering is not how our story will end. It is impossible for our story to end that way. Can we trust Jesus in the impossible? Can we trust him to set things right and redeem our suffering? That's something we all have to ask ourselves. No one can answer it for you. No one can answer it for their neighbor. It's something we just ask ourselves in those moments. Let's keep reading and see what else Jesus says. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask, using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. So this is the second time in the Gospel of John where Jesus is reinforcing why we end our prayers in the name of Jesus, why we ask for things in Jesus' name. And this partly response to this verse. And Jesus is telling the disciples, you haven't done this before. Meaning up until this point when you're praying, you're talking to God and you're seeing him as one conversation separate from the conversation with Jesus. And Jesus is like, actually, that's also been including me. Like, does anybody remember having house lines back in the day and you'd be on the phone talking to someone and you'd hear static just to realize like your sibling has been listening the whole time? I was that sibling. Uh, <laughs> just wanted you to know. But Jesus is like, yeah, it's not just God hearing your prayers. I've been on the line too. You can ask and pray and it's as good as asking me. From now on, ask God in my name. And Jesus says that when we ask, we will receive. And he promises abundant joy. And when we read these promises from Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, can we trust that Jesus will respond to our cries for help? He's telling them to ask God, ask Jesus. And he says that when we ask, we'll receive and we'll have abundant joy. Has anybody ever asked God for something and not received what they were asking for? <laughs> is it just me wow <laughs> what about abundant joy are we getting that all the time so what's jesus mean jesus go crazy on his promises again or are we not praying right is this something i'm doing how do we reconcile these promises with reality we have to remember the context of these verses 
These verses are in reference to Jesus' death on the cross and what will be happening afterwards, the resurrection. And I believe that these verses are meant to be a reassurance that we can ask for salvation and know we will receive that. It means that having salvation will bring a joy that cannot be stripped away from the circumstances we find ourselves in. If we look at verse 22, just in this passage that we just read a few minutes ago, Jesus said, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy, that joy of the resurrection. It's a promise of unconditional love and we don't have to be worried it will be taken away. It's a loving salvation that is not dangled over us like a carrot that is pulled further away every time we make a mistake. It's a picture of a God who loves us. Verse 27, it says, For the Father himself loves you dearly. Can we trust that God the Father, who loves us dearly, will listen to our cries for help? Think about the people in our life who love us dearly. Would they respond to our cries for help? You know, I can have uh, moments, many moments, of being uh, wildly insecure about my faith. And maybe you're like, yeah, we're, we're picking up on that, Janelle. <laughs> but uh, there, was, there was one night uh, about a year ago, I couldn't fall asleep, and I was praying to God. I was laying there trying to fall asleep, and I was just like, I'm sorry I'm not better at this. I'm sorry I keep messing up. Oh, gosh, I really hope I'm not disappointing you. And I'm sorry I keep taking up so much time in prayer with these apologies. And my thoughts were just 100 miles per hour and all over the place. And it was at this moment that I had a vision. Everything stopped in my mind and got quiet. I don't have these very often, but it was a crystal clear moment. I was standing in my kitchen, and I could see a little child crying under the dining room table. They were huddled up, they were hugging their knees, and they were crying. And I saw this child thinking, okay, we need to get this child out from under the table, find out what's going on, like what what is happening. And it's at that moment that the child's father appeared. And I had this moment and this thought of like, oh good, this kid's dad is here. Let's get him out from under the table. But instead of pulling this child out, he crouched down, and began to crawl under the table. And I said to the child's dad, what are you doing? Like, why are you getting under the table? I'm thinking like, we gotta get this kid out. And the father crouched down and he stopped and he looked at me. He said, because my child is hurting. And I wanna be close to my children when they're hurting. And without speaking, he crawled under the table, got right next to this child who was crying. And then it was over. I opened my eyes and I was back in my room. God loves us dearly. He wants to be near us when we're hurting. I really believe that. And we choose to trust and believe that he will respond to our cries for help, that he does hear us. Let's keep reading. And finish up the verses for today. It says, Yes, I come from the Father into the world. I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. 
Then his disciples said, ah, at last, you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. I'm like, really? Uh, okay, but now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this, we believe that you come from God. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. I wish it said just one, but it's many. <laughs> okay. Uh, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So we see in this moment where things are beginning to click with the disciples. You know, up until this point, they've had a lot of puzzle pieces maybe, and they're starting to put them together and realize there's a bigger picture here that Jesus is referring to. That Jesus is not another prophet like Moses. He is not another king like David. He is so much greater and so much more than them. He came from God. He is God's son. He is one with God. And Jesus gives them a heads up about what's to come. He's trying to say, like, don't let it throw you. It's part of the plan. And we have to remember that, that when we have those trials and those sufferings and those pains, that Jesus isn't running around like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? <laughs> I'm so scared. No, Jesus is like, it's all good. It's good. It's okay. It's going to happen. It's going to be hard. But take heart because I've overcome the world. So after reading these verses, we must ask ourselves, can we believe that Jesus has the power to help? Something we hear uh, a lot in our Christian circles and Christian communities is, God won't give you more than you can handle. Does anyone hear that a lot or maybe say it? Uh, well, I'm here to tell you it's not from the Bible. <laughs> I'm not sure it's true, and at the very least, it's very unhelpful theology. <laughs> So make sure you write that down too. And you know, uh, so this is kind of misquoted from first Corinthians ten thirteen, and it's Paul. And he's telling people that God won't let you be tempted more than you can bear. And it goes on to say that when you're tempted, God will provide a way out and an escape. He's talking about making the right choices, not succumbing to temptation, trusting that God will help us. in even those moments, that's what the verse in Corinthians is about. It is not about suffering. And promising we won't have more suffering than we can handle. I have more suffering than I can handle all the time. Just last week I had more suffering than I could handle. They didn't have my ice cream. <laughs> they didn't have my ice cream. Yeah, this is the suffering. No. <laughs> and we're not meant to go through this alone and, that's, and suffer alone. It's okay that it's more than we can handle. Yes, it's more than I can handle, but it is not more than God can handle. Whatever we can do, however we are able to give that to God, I encourage us to do so. God, I can't do this without you. It's too much. I'm giving this to you. I need your help. Please take it. This is why we need God, because it is regularly more than we can handle. And how amazing that we have a God that listens to our cries for help. How amazing that we have a God who loves us dearly. So we have to ask ourselves, do we believe that our God has the power to help? Uh, like 12 or so years ago, Matt, you're blocked by this screen, so I keep wanting to look at you, and I'm seeing this girl, and I'm like, that's not Matt. Um, <laughs> hey, you. So like 12 or so years ago, Matt and I went to see a movie called Journey to the Center of the Earth. I've told this story before, so 
just bear with me if you've already heard it. Uh, so we go to see this movie, and we're, it's starting, and it's very unrealistic, one scene that, that happened at the beginning where they're like on a mine cart, and it like jumps off the track and lands perfectly on another track 100 feet away. And we're watching this, and I just go, yeah, right. And Matt, uh, who first of all hates when I talk during movies, said, uh, Janelle, we are watching Journey to the Center of the Earth. You check, yeah, right, at the door. <laughs> and I think it's important for us to remember that we are God's church. And we check, yeah, right, at the door. Can Jesus be the I am that was speaking to Moses through that burning bush? Can Jesus and God be the same? Can Jesus turn water into wine, feed 5,000 with five loaves of bread? Make blind men see and lame men walk. Can Jesus be tortured, publicly humiliated, flogged, paraded through the streets, killed on a cross only to rise three days later? To the world out there, that might seem impossible. But here, we check, yeah, right at the door. If Jesus is that powerful, if he is that powerful, Can we believe that he is powerful enough to help us? Can we believe that he is powerful enough to redeem our suffering, even when we're in the middle of it? I believe we can believe. I do. I believe we can believe. And uh, as we leave here today, let's remember that while we might not have control over our suffering, it doesn't mean we don't have control over anything. We can choose to believe. We can choose to trust. We can choose to sing these songs of praises to God, even when we're hurting. You know, the song we're singing today, You Are All That I Need. We can sing that in the suffering. On our best days and on our worst days and in between. We can choose to believe we have a good ending to our story. Can we believe that? I believe we can believe. Right on? All right, let's pray. God, I don't take it lightly that the God of the universe listens to to our prayers. What a blessing just to have that. But you give us so much more. You love us dearly. You care for us. You want to be with us when we're hurting. So we give you our burdens. We give you our pain. We give you our struggles. We ask for you to help us. In this adventure we call life, help us to hold on while we wait for that good ending that has been promised to us. We love you so much, and we pray that that we can continue to be there for each other and support one another in those difficult times, to be that reminder that we don't have to go through this alone. We put our lives in your hands, and we know that in your hands, everything is safe. In Jesus' name, amen.
Here we go. You were the word of the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. He didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you
Come Holy Spirit, guide us. Guide us as we leave these doors. Hold us in that pain. Be with us every day, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to speak this blessing on one another before we head out. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be up here. I think Blake, I can't find it, but I think he'll be up here too. And uh, Or if you've been around and we haven't met and you just want to come meet and say hi, that sounds great too. Whatever you want, it's fine. All right, let's speak this together. May Christ be a light to illumine and guide you. Christ be a shield to overshadow you. Christ be under you. Christ be over you. Christ beside you. On your left and on your right, both in this world and the one to come. Go in peace, children of God. Nothing can stand against What a powerful name